Good morning and welcome to Monday Mornings with Margie. I know it seems like we've been on a hiatus um, and we kind of have been, Um, but we're back and we're ready to roll again. And I have an amazing guest on today, Stephanie Payne. Um, And we're going to have a really interesting conversation today. And I'm going to let Stephanie start off by introducing herself and uh, telling us a little bit about who she is. Well, hi. (laughs) Thank you, Margie. Hi, I'm Stephanie Payne. Um, I live here in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I was raised in a military family. Uh, Unfortunately, they traveled the world, came here to Omaha, adopted me. I've been here for 47 years. Um, When I was younger, my mom and I used to go downtown. We would see, you know, like homeless people and stuff like that. And so I got in the mental health field because I asked a homeless man why he was living on the street watching TV. So I wanted to help people. Um, I went to a local high school here. I graduated from Wayne State with my bachelor's and I graduated from UNO here in Omaha with my master's of arts. Wow. Great. Yeah. Uh, So tell me a little bit about what you're doing currently. What is your job right now? So I work at the Salvation Army here in Omaha and their community support. So my role is community community support, mental health. So I go out in the community and I, you know, I want to say I educate people who have mental illness, which is schizophrenia, depression. It could be drug addicts, you know, alcoholics, you know, recovering, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I help them be able to live independently in the community. You know, people who have mental health, you know, um, don't like to say that they have mental health issues, because it causes a lot of problems within the community. People look at them different, don't think that they can hold a job. And a lot of my people can hold a job very well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just kind of help them with resources if they need any, um, which are slim to none, you know, um, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so I help them if they're homeless, I help them find housing. And I have other resources and other organizations that I go through as well to help them with getting housing, you know, getting a job or maybe getting on social security if they can't work. Sure. So would you say more of the people you're working with are actually homeless or are more of the people you're working with people you've gotten housing, but you're continuing to work with, or is it like a a mix of both? It's a mix of both, but a majority that I work with now are people who have been housed. Okay. Uh, They might've only been housed for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, or they're about to be housed and they're coming from either a treatment facility or another program in our organization um, that had like 24 seven staff to where they're not used to staying on their own. So I'm long-term. So they might have like a short-term community support worker who will help them for 90 days or so. And then they'll be referred to long-term, Okay, which is me. And I generally work with people for, it could be a year, two years. Wow. Some are more, you know, chronic than others, but generally about one or two years. So what, what kind of housing or or resources, because I know you were saying they're sort of scarce, which is a whole nother topic. Um, But what are some of the resource options for people who are in that kind of situation? Let's say you're 
you came into Salvation Army because you had addiction issues and you were homeless. You come in, you end up, you know, working recovery and now they come to you. What are some of the options for someone like that? Well, we have, like I said, different departments at Salvation Army and they have like a housing department and they help them. So they have resources, um, case managers that they work with one-on-one that work with other landlords. Um, the problem is, and I think it's a nationwide problem, to be honest, is the uh, being able to afford housing. You know, there's not a lot of housing, you know, there's wait lists for two to three years, you know, to get some support with housing. Right. Some people don't get a big enough social security check to even get an apartment. So the negative part about that is that sometimes they don't get to live exactly where they want to live yeah. until they're able to save up and, you know, be able to get a different apartment. So we have a great housing, you know, department that does help getting mm-hmm. people. Um, we do have what we call here in Omaha, like section eight yes. housing. Um, we have an organization region six that helps out with housing. Mm-hmm. Um, in each county, there is like a housing department in each county to where they can help too, but they can only help so many people. Sure. So I would assume, um, cause out here in, I'm in Massachusetts, uh-huh. um, the section eight housing wait list is long, <laughs> two, to, two yeah. years, three years, yeah. you know, and that's, and that's unfortunate. You know, I mean, I wish that I had some sort of, you know, resolution for it, but you know, it's hard, you know, working with people and they're living from friends to family. And if they get in a fight with their family, they have to go find somewhere else to live. Or sometimes they'll go on the street or sometimes, you know, they'll fall back into getting into a neighborhood where they don't want to be right and start all over again. Right. Well, and I was thinking also if they can't afford certain housing, they mm-hmm. may end up in a neighborhood that would not be good for their recovery. Absolutely. Um, it happens more often than you can count. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it seems like uh, part of helping with mental health and recovery sort of nationally is having more subsidized housing for people who can't afford current housing market so people can absolutely get on their feet again absolutely and you know even for the people who are on their feet you know like mental health I feel is not being addressed a lot I mean it's out there people suffer from a lot you know there's a lot of suicide that we have had that can most definitely be you know uh, preventable you know, with the resources. And if, you know, a lot of times it's a pride thing, you know, I don't want people to know, you know, that I can't afford housing. I don't want people to know this is, you know, where I'm at in life. And there's nothing to be, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, just ask for help. But there's so many stereotypes about mental health and, oh, you know, they do this or they do bad things. And, you know, I'm going to tell you what, people who have mental health are more likely to get help. And then you have just, honestly, Margie, you just have bad people. Mm -hmm. 
And so I wish that there was another way that we can get, you know, more housing to help people so we don't have a big homeless population. Sure, we have shelters and they have, you know, uh, case management, you know, over there and they have um, people who will help them. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people are very passionate when they're in the mental health field. Yeah. Um, wish we had more resources, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that you see people from all kinds of backgrounds. Oh, so, it's, wow. yes. so it's not what people sort of want to think it is. Right. Um, it's not sort of the stereotypes people have in their mind. Nope. Um, it could be, yeah. To be honest, it could be a senator. It could be a doctor. It could be a nurse. It could be, you know, there's a lot of people who are on their feet, millionaire. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. suffer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say, like, in thinking about your many years of experience working in mental health and doing the work that you do, which is really in the, I call it the trenches. Like, yeah. <laughs> you are in the trenches. Um, and I was in sort of the trenches for many years and I learned a lot and it's hard, hard work. Um, yeah. What would you say some of the key things that you've like learned, like what in doing the work you've done, maybe things that you thought something differently about that you now think differently about now, like what, what have you learned in doing this work? I have learned that people who have a mental illness are so smart. Mm-hmm. I and they can do great things. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's just people don't think that, of course, with the stereotypes. Um, <clears throat> I've learned that, you know, a lot of people they want help. They don't want to feel this way. Um you know, I, I've learned that they're, they're great people. They're good, caring, giving people who have unfortunately been brought up abused, mm-hmm. you know? And so you have two types of people, either they're going to carry on that abuse tradition or they're not. Mm-hmm. And so a majority of the people that I have worked with, they don't want to, right. They don't want, you know, they don't want to abuse anybody or they don't want to be addicts, you know, but they are just so hurt and they don't know how to communicate because there has never been anybody who would sit there and listen. I have had so many of my people sit down and tell me, wow, you know, you really sit down and listen. Hmm. And I told them, to be honest, I can relate with some of that. Mm -hmm. I can relate with depression. I can relate with feeling alone and abandoned and you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think it's easier. And I think that's why I have such a huge passion mm-hmm. in mental, you know, health is because I understand, I, you know, I get it, you know, it's, it's lonely. You know, I have a very, very, I have a great personality, I feel, <laughs> but I can also be in a room with a crowd of people and having the best time, but I still have felt alone. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I can understand. Yeah. You know, um, but I've learned so much. I've learned, you know, like they want to go to college, you know, live in a big house. They have big dreams. They want to work, you know, but as soon as somebody finds out, oh, you have a mental illness, it just goes down the tubes. And what's the sad part is, is that people are missing out on meeting a lot of great people. Yeah. So I don't think a lot of people understand it, you know, like, and I think I can 
um, I can say, you know, for here in Mm -hmm. Omaha and probably other places, you know, you have these, um, police officers who might not understand, you know, like, are these people going to, are they trying to hurt me Mm -hmm. or is there something going on? Sure. And so, uh, the one thing that I really got a lot out of, and I, I believe, um, my friend Angie has told you that I worked a lot with the CIT training here in Omaha. Yes. Um, which is great. The crisis intervention training, it's with police officers, uh, probation officers, even the humane society. Um, you know, a lot of people who have to, you know, deal with mental illness and I, got the opportunity to be an actor. So I got to act like I was depressed. I got to act like I had schizophrenia and they would come in and, and you have a lot of police officers here who really are compassionate. You know, I think that helps too, is, you know, people with authority, if they could just, you know, um, understand mental illness more, I think that's a start right there. If that makes any sense. Yeah. What were some of the things you did? Like what in the training? Um, so I would like all in a room together, getting the same training and interacting. So they go Monday through Friday. So Monday through Thursday morning, um, they have classroom training and then us actors come in Thursday afternoon and Friday afternoon. And we act out different scenarios. You know, there's like um, a war veteran, you know, Mm -hmm. who is um, outside or homeless. Mm -hmm. Um, We also did a artistic, you know, uh, schizophrenic um, who played music loud and, you know, um, was manic. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also did, I did a depression scene with actually, she was my supervisor at the time. We did a depression scene and we were on the news here in Omaha but of course I had a plastic knife and I was going to cut myself. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I had all my pills on the table. Mm -hmm. Well, what we were trying to get across is when the police officers came and I had a a knife, not for them to focus on the knife, but focus what is going on around me. Yes. My house is a mess. I've got pills on the table. Like what really is going on? And that's what got them, you know, to help. Um, you know, we have people who, we had a scenario of uh, people who thought they were working for the FBI. Things were going on in the apartment. So they were outside yeah. all day, all night, you know, cause they were working for FBI. And, you know, so basically the training is they're in several different rooms and you go, you know, and you get different people coming in. Wow. And I think it's, I personally think it's beneficial because mm-hmm. they're not focusing on why is somebody sitting outside of the quick shop, you know, speaking the word from the Bible? Mm-hmm. It's look at your surroundings, what's happening with that person, you know? And I think that a lot of people have gotten a lot out of that. Mm-hmm. People with mental illness do not like police officers um, because of the way they have been treated. And, you know, they would say, I'm not trying to hurt you. Like I'm real, I'm hurting. I need help. Yeah. But, you know, police officers, they're trained, you know, I mean, they've got to protect themselves. Sure. You know, and so and currently I I actually work with a mental health responder Hmm. who is absolutely wonderful. She works for the Omaha Police Department and we work really well together. You know, um, she responds to the 911 calls that come that really not necessarily are 911 calls, but it does take 
for somebody to come over there and talk them down, if you will. So de-escalate the situation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that what you're doing and have done and what's happening in Omaha, and I'm sure it's happening in other places too, but Mm -hmm. it almost seems like it needs to become like the global way that nationally we are training police officers and bringing in mental health people right uh, into uh into police stations working hand in hand uh with police officers not only on the training end which is absolutely right. key, but also in the intervention and de-escalation end uh, if you were to ask me i think that a lot of organizations need to have some sort of mental health something there to help people mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. even even not in the hospitals or the police station, but, you know, in the post offices, you know, like maybe sometimes, and this might sound way out there, but in daycares or in doctor's offices and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. if you put one person, you know, who knows about mental health, you know, people have problems. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. And so any given day, somebody can walk in and even drop off their child at a daycare and they could be suffering that day of something. And if you had someone that they could sit down and talk to instead of somebody coming out and saying, Oh, Mrs. Jones is, you know, going crazy again. You don't know what Mrs. Jones is really going through. So I I'm, I'm hoping this makes sense and not sounding um, ridiculous, but I mean, if, if people were able to, you know, know that, if I go into here, even the shopping mall, if I go in here, if there's somebody that I can, you know, talk to, cause I'm having a hard time, I think that would be great. Now, is that practical? I don't know, but I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful? Yeah. I mean, I think you're really talking about how do you integrate treatment into more areas of our lives? Um, right. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for, I mean, I think we're starting to see it more in healthcare where mm-hmm. primary care offices are starting to integrate where they have, you know, uh, mental health professionals within their primary care or within yes. pediatrician's office. For instance, where I take my kids to the pediatrician, that group practice is integrated some mental health providers right into their practice. Which is uh, great. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that, you know, you're really looking at how do we integrate it so that, um, one, we're providing more help for people that might not know where to go for help, mm-hmm. might be afraid to ask for help, but if it's right there in front of them, they will utilize it. Um, right. and then also having people in certain areas that can help deescalate or may understand or have a different perspective on what might be going on with the person and just has the skills to manage the situation. So much of it is about just having the knowledge and the skills to manage those situations. Um, And a lot of people just don't have that. Uh, And so the more we can sort of cross train people in understanding these situations and also understanding that most people with mental health issues don't want to be violent or aggressive. Right. 
that's not that's not generally in their nature. Um, right. You're absolutely right. And I think that that sometimes gets lost in the whole situation. Oh, here comes my dog into <laughs> our meeting. Um, so just one thought I had, because I know you've worked so long, you know, like I said, in the trenches of mental health. And I was wondering, like, what gives you hope, you know, and all the stuff you see, all the stuff you do, you know, obviously there's a lot of downsides, lack of resources, stereotypes, whatever Mm -hmm. cases, what gives you hope? What gets you up every day and brings you out there to meet with people and work with people? Well, honestly, I know this might sound cheesy, but mental health is my passion. So Mm -hmm. that's what gets me up every day. When I know that I can, if I can at least help one person Mm -hmm. or that makes my day. Mm-hmm. Our days aren't the same. Obviously mm-hmm. we could have very good days and then we could have a good morning. And then within 10 minutes, it could be terrible. Yeah. But also what gives me hope is my, the people that I work with, mm-hmm. I do have to say that I am not where I'm at now because of me. I've had a lot of great leaders. I have to say that I've had a lot of great, um, supervisors who I love very much, you know, um, who have always had my back and always have helped me. I could go to them and what can we do? And they guided me mm-hmm. everywhere. I've been, I've had, you know, good supervisors. So that's how I learned. Yeah. And so every day when I get up, I, I just know, cause I have a lot of success stories, mm. you know, so that gives me hope. And then yeah. when I, people that I've worked with go out and talk to the community and talk to schools and talk to different organizations. That's exactly what gives me hope is that, you know, they're going to go out there and do great things. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, Nice to know you have a lot of success stories. And I think that unfortunately in the world we live in, you don't hear a lot of the success stories. We tend to hear what's going wrong. Right. What's going right. Um, right. And so it's nice to know that your experience is what it is. And it's also nice to know that you've had good mentoring and leadership. Absolutely. That is so key. That is so key. If we're going to continue to do good things and progress, especially in the mental health field, yes, there needs to be good, healthy leadership that is helping to mentor the young people um, coming into this field who need direction. But, you know, I'm going to tell you, Margie, one more thing that I think is important is that it starts with kids. Mm. It very much so starts with kids. You know, people don't develop mental illness as an adult because just because, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of teen suicides, um, young adult suicides, and Mm -hmm. it's because, either they felt like they couldn't talk to somebody mm-hmm. or because, you know, people are going to think that I'm weird, you know, but it really does start with, you know, those counselors and even in the preschools, you know, the, the daycares, the preschools, elementary, middle school, high school, college, all those counselors, it's important because these kids are so influenced. There's a lot of bullying going on. Um, because some people don't like the way that somebody else looks, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, they're unfortunately this world today is hard mm-hmm. to raise children. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's a, a totally different topic, mm-hmm. but that's where it starts is it really that's starts right. with listening to these children, you know, and when somebody says I'm being bullied or mm-hmm. this person has done this, then you need to get on it and investigate it. Because if you just, you know, pass it along, what are you going to do when I'm sorry to be so graphic when that person mm-hmm. is no longer with us because yeah. they felt like the one person or the two people that they wanted to talk to wouldn't listen to them. Right. right. So that's where, it, that's where it starts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what, you know, one of the things that comes out of this discussion is sort of the whole concept of listening is yes. like, you need to listen. Absolutely. We all need to listen a little better and a little harder. And, um, and I think that if we all start listening more, that that will be one step in the yes. right direction. Absolutely. So, well, I appreciate your time and sharing your, yeah. wisdom, your wisdom and your experiences um, I think it's really helpful to hear this and to know that there's people like yourself, yourself out there doing this amazing work that you're doing. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of people out there who are passionate. I mean, it's just, not, I wish it was all me, but it's not, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it, there's a lot, I have come across a lot of amazing people who really love mental health and that's, that helps as well. I mean, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. Yes. Uh, And thank you to everybody who's listening or watching. I hope you all have a great week and I will see you next time. All right. Everyone have a great day.